Dun, 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 dun. We should have had some intro music, intro but we music. didn't. Hello, uh, my name is. Get that for the next time. I know. My name is Nikki Acosta. This is our very first episode of Cloud Unfiltered. It's a new podcast where we talk all things cloud, open source, technology, trends, pretty much anything that is interesting. And so I have a very special uh, co-host with me today. Hi, I'm Ballard. I'm a software engineer here at Cisco. Happy to be with you, Nikki. Pleased to uh, be here with our guests. Yes, and we have an awesome guest. I'm really excited uh, not only to have a woman as one of our, as our first guest, uh, but to have a woman of great prominence. Uh, Ricky Ensley, introduce yourself. Hello, thanks for inviting me. I'm Ricky. I work at opensource.com. I'm a community manager and an editor. And I found you on Twitter when you were, you were posting someone, the, the open source yearbook that you just put together was going around. And I was like, ooh, that sounds cool. And so I checked it out and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Who did this? Uh, and then I saw your name and reached out and here we are. So thanks for, uh, for agreeing to meet a, a stranger in the alley. Hi. Uh, thanks for reading my tweets. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get your Twitter info at the end too. Should we have like a word of the day? Uh, maybe. Okay, you guys, um, you guys take your take your headphones off real quick, and then when I put my hands back up, you can put them back on. We're gonna play a game. Okay. The word of the day is open. Every time you hear the word open, I don't know, drink or something. All right. Bringing our guests back on. Uh, I should have been looking away. I, I could see the, I, I could read your lips. Oh, I did not read your lips, so. I need to figure <laughs> out a better way to do this. So let's get. Well, you could have told me to look away, but then I wouldn't have seen your hands go back up, so. That's true. I, I totally botched that. And the viewers, or the listeners, are going to be like, what are they talking about? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, we just had a secret word, and the secret word, I don't know. Maybe you can drink or listen for it and let us know at the end how many times we use the secret word, and maybe we'll do a raffle or something for people who get it right, because we're gonna do the transcript, so we'll know. So anyway, y'all don't know what the secret word is. Maybe Val might, but. I don't. <laughs> okay, good. So, Ricky, you have a pretty cool gig uh, as an editor at opensource.com and putting this yearbook together and doing all kinds of other really cool community stuff. But take us back. How did you actually get into tech to begin with? Um, I do have a cool gig. I'm very excited about my gig. Um, but yes, I got in it by accident. I um, wanted to get into editing. And um, I had gotten an English degree from the University of Texas in Austin and as a, a waitress. And yeah, I'm first generation college. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I didn't do internships or any of that. You know, I just was trying to get through college while waiting tables. And um, anyway, I uh, got, I, after school, I got an entry level job working in customer service at a tech publishing company in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, my family's from the Kansas City area. And I thought, you know, that would be a way to break into editing. And then I would, um, you know, go work at a rock and roll magazine or something. Um, so so were you I, writing tech articles? Or were I wasn't you writing doing, tech, technical documentation as that first job? No, I worked in customer service. I answered phone calls and I, oh. I led a customer service team and we handled subscriptions for a bunch of tech publications like Sysadmin Magazine and CC++ Users Journal, Windows Developers Journal, 
and this was all uh, this is around 1997 the very beginning of 97 um, and um, uh, I, they finally advertised for a position at Sysadmin Magazine as an entry-level editor position, and I applied for it. I'd been at the company about a year, a year and a half, and um, I actually took a pay cut to go become an, a copy editor. And um, uh, within a year or so, I was an associate editor and then became managing editor, and I reported to um, Anchor, Amber Ankerholtz, who um, was editor-in-chief. And um, she works on Linux.com now, and so I still get to work with her, and we're still good friends. But anyway, that's how I, I, I got in, was working at Sysadmin. And um, back then, it was a Unix magazine, and it was the early days of Linux, and uh, Linux started taking off. And um, I ended up really liking what I was doing. And you know, I, I didn't get a computer for the first time until I graduated from college, and so I really learned at that company everything. Um, knew nothing about technology, no tech background, but. I just fell in love with um, the people I worked with. You know, sysadmins are awesome. Um, I can't speak highly enough about sysadmins. Um, I always say that they're like editors, that nobody knows what you do um, if everything goes well, nobody knows that you're working, you know? And <laughs> it's when something goes wrong that they're aware that you were doing stuff, you know, because you didn't catch a mistake or whatever. Um, yeah, so I uh, was there almost 10 years and at that company um, working on sysadmin and you know, that was through the bubble burst and all that. And so I ended up working on um, the Pearl Journal and UnixReview.com rolled into our publication. And and um, I still get to work with a lot of the people I worked with back then. And uh, yeah, I left there and went to Linux New Media. Uh, they're based out of Germany and they were opening an office in Lawrence, Kansas. I wanted help opening it and, and running the office. And a former um, editor from sysadmin was over there, uh, Joe Kassad, he's still there. And so I went and I worked with him and we opened the North American office and they've got, I don't know, eight to 10 employees there now and a bunch of magazines. They've got Linux Pro and Admin Magazine and Drupal Watchdog and um, Raspberry Pi Geek. And um, I still get to work with some of those folks occasionally too. I just saw one of them last weekend at scale. So that was the crash course in how I got started. And then I, you know, I did some freelance tech journalism after that. and. Ended up at Red Hat three years ago. I got hired at Red Hat. It's so funny. My my uh, trajectory was not that different than yours. I got a communication degree from UT Austin. Hook and horns. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was wondering when you got on the phone. I'm like, she doesn't really have an accent. She yeah. Be from like somewhere central in the country. Yep, Midwest. Yep. But yeah, I'm like, what am I gonna do with a communications degree? Like, I had classes on everything from like HR to like neurology and nonverbal communication, just like random, totally random classes. Yeah. And ended up selling homes, and then made the jump uh, to work at Rackspace in sales, and uh, was there at the right place at the right time as far as like OpenStack uh, was concerned. It was just being born. It was super exciting and mm -hmm. lots of fun. Yes. No, I don't. I don't know where you got your start. What's your What's your deal, pickle? Uh, yeah, I was kind of similar to Ricky in terms of not touching computers until later's, but uh, you know, did some time in third world countries and came back to the United States and saw that my mom was doing this email stuff and I was just, what? She's ahead of me in computers and got that really scared me. So I really got into it after that and uh, I went to college for a computer science major didn't even really know what I was doing and came out of there came out of the fire it was really fun so that was at University of California Berkeley but so it's just been coding ever since but I'm, I'm really interested Ricky on that 
the whole publishing space for these tech journals because I remember I used to get uh, a few of them and I and I'd read them and stuff and mostly what I do now is is online and stuff I mean what's that what's happening to that market now like are, are people is, is it still pretty healthy as in terms of um, subscribers it, it seems like it's very fragmented as well like you talked about the Raspberry Pi and things like that like is that still going uh, I mean I'm it's super interesting I just I'm just curious to know your take on the market right now. Um, well, it's awful. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it hasn't been healthy for a long time. Um, people don't get into journalism or publishing for the money. Um, it really is a passion if you're into yeah. it, you know, because it's not good money and it's really hard work. It's a lot of work. And, um, uh, but it, it's also really cool people who are hard workers and creative and passionate, you know, and so that's why I, I got into it. And so, it's, there's not a huge profit margin in print publishing or in publishing, you know, now publishing has changed so much. I was fortunate that sysadmin, we always had very high um, standards, you know, for our content and um, it was always a paid magazine. Um, it, it, we didn't go with the, you know, the free model that um, all of our sister publications ended up going for and um, we weren't 100% supported by ads, you know, and same thing when I, when I moved over to Linux New Media, um, you know, they're charging $100 a year for um, <coughs> Pro Magazine, you know, um, but then they also, uh, that quality of content, you know, has to be very high because people are going to pay $100 a year for your magazine, you know, so you're writing for them and not for the advertisers. And um, that really appealed to me, you know, so, um, and then journalism, it's still, it's very heartbreaking to um, see what happens now online, you know, um, we're really, uh, you know, politically, we're really seeing a lot of the fallout finally of what happens when the people don't control the source of news, right? Yeah. And when it's, um, if you're getting free content, well, it's not free, somebody's paying for it. And if you pay for it, you're the people that have to be pleased, right? And so yeah. that's why it, it makes more sense for you to be paying for content than to have it be 100%, you know, um, advertiser supported. Well, well that's I, a, I didn't even thought of that. My, my first journalism, course, uh, back when I thought I wanted to be a journalist, uh, which is funny because I'm kind of sort of doing that now. Uh, but the <laughs> first class I sat in on was like journalism 101. And the, I remember walking in and they had like the transparencies, like the old school ones that you have to write on mm -hmm. and it projects the, the stuff on the wall. And he said, if you remember anything about this class, this is what you need to remember. And it said, if it bleeds, it leads. Like that was the whole thing. And it's like, man, that hasn't really changed. I think about it all the time, but it's just like, hey, you know, if it's if it's uh if it's a uh, news where <laughs> that that's that's heavy, like it's going to lead. Like the more mm -hmm. dramatic the news is, uh the, the further it will be ahead in placement. Uh I met I met a bunch of journalism people and decided that I that wasn't my uh my my cup of tea. Uh <laughs> But mostly because I think I would have failed the current events quiz, honestly. They were like, wanted you to read Wall Street Journal every day. And I was like, man, I just got out of high school. Like, what? Uh, yeah, well, and the pay-per-click model is, um, you know, it, uh, there's a lot of ways to get clicks, and that's not necessarily by writing good content. You yeah. know, if you, make, if you make people mad, you're going to get a lot of clicks. Or if you say things that are controversial or inaccurate, you get a lot of clicks, and you make more money. And so that's, you know... Kind of a problem which i think that regular humans are finally starting to appreciate based on you know the last six to 12 months yeah. uh, sure. popular news cycles so so how, how do how do you guys get good content mm -hmm. i mean you're you're um i mean who are 
describe some of the people who are contributing the articles to a lot of the publications that you're involved with, that, or that you have been involved with? Um, well, back when I um, worked on uh, Linux New Media publications, you know, it's, it was generally people who worked in tech, some some professional journalists, but um, you know, they we didn't have a giant author budget. We had an author budget. You know, so it'd be a little bit of extra money for a sysadmin who wanted to write about something they were working on. Um, where and where I am now, um, there is no author budget because the site's 100% supported by Red Hat, and so it's not we're not selling ads or um, profiting on the site. It's a community site, and that intrigued me because um, you know, as a freelance journalist, um, you know, I was opposed to working for free, and um, particularly, um, well if a site was for profit. I didn't have a problem writing for free to some um, nonprofit you know, sites and in, in particularly in open source, um, if they were interesting sites and I liked the audience. Um, but you know, Huffington Post, for example, um, I, I had an article picked up on there one time when I was a journalist, but um, I got paid by a different site for it, but Huffington Post didn't pay me, you know, and so that, that um, as a journalist, you want to get paid. You have to get paid, or you don't eat. You know. Yeah. But for OpenSource.com, um, as a community site, that model really appealed to me before I moved over here. And I had written on the site before, um, and I, but I liked what Red Hat was doing with it. And we're able to give a platform um, for people who um, don't have this kind of platform. So if you already are writing for your blog, and let's say you're a programmer and you're writing about some cool thing you're doing, or, or uh, let's say you do marketing for a tech company and you want people to know about this cool project you just released, um, then that's where opensource.com is a really good fit because we have a nice broad um, audience, you know, more than a million page views a month. And so people can, um, you know, hit um, a, a nice range of uh, readers and, you know, it's not supported by ads and um, uh, and so you're not dealing with much pop at the ads and all that either. You know, you're in good company with a bunch of other good content. And then um, we do have the team of editors who are vetting it to make sure it's a, a good fit and that it has been cleaned up and polished. And so it's, you know, a good read. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I know before uh, the show started, we were talking about kind of your role, you know, being a Red Hat employee, but, you know, really your heart belongs to open source and your time and energy goes to that. And you kind of have to walk a, a line, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to balance, you know, the fact that you are a Cisco employee, or uh, I'm sorry, a Red Hat employee, yet you still uh, you still want to do what's right for the open source community, which may not always be something that's in the best interest of Red Hat, at least you know, product-wise or feature-wise right. or whatever. But I think in the in the long term, if you're a good source of of content and information, it's a good look for Red Hat. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And because we don't, we're not a Red Hat marketing site. We're not um, uh, covering Red Hat enterprise um, product. And um, that's also not the kind of content we're going to cover from other open source um, companies. We're really looking at um, projects and communities and um, more of the communal stories than, um, you know, enterprise product that a company is trying to sell. Because we want articles about, you know, um, technologies you know, and um, communities, but not um, ad, an ad, you know, a white paper. We're not trying to run that kind of content. But Red Hat does that pretty well. Um, yeah, that's on Red Hat sites. Yeah, and, uh, uh, on Red Hat branded sites, where it's very clear that you go to that site to learn about the products, you know, and so, that's, not, not, that's not what we're for. So let's talk about the, uh, the open source yearbook. 
Uh, honestly, talk about you, it. it looks like you put a ton of effort into that. Oh, you've got a hard copy with you. Yes, Brilliant. yes. And so, um, tell us about it. Tell us about the whole journey of like putting that together. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you asked because I'm a print. Oh, and, go maybe, ahead. and maybe tell about people who don't, who maybe not have heard of it before. Okay. Just what it is. And yes. Um. So I'm a print person by heart. Uh, I've uh, worked on print my whole career, print magazines, and I, I really love print. And um, before I joined OpenSource.com, I actually talked to um, the team and, and told them I had this idea for a yearbook because last month I just celebrated 20 years in my profession, you know, and I was thinking about, man, I really wish that I could go thumb back through these, you know, this history of, of um, open source. Oh yeah, with the current technologies yeah, are, and, and you are can, talking about. Yeah, yeah, you can Google and look at all that stuff, but there's no easy way like a yearbook, you know, and so I just had this vision yeah. and, um, and so um, last year, uh, luckily I have a, a manager that's, supportive and he's not a print person you know he doesn't really have buy-in for print but he thought you know I was so excited about it and whatever he was like all right go for it and let's try it out so we launched it last year um, we started publishing the articles um, uh, at the end of the previous year you know so we published them at the end of um, 2014 no then in 2015 and um, this is where it gets confusing all the years anyway at the end of the year we start publishing it then I put it together in the 2015 yearbook and so we launched that at the beginning of 2016. So, so, the 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 so the 2015 was the first yearbook? Yes. Okay. Thank you. And, um, and uh, so uh, the articles were free on the site as individual articles. And um, they were, you know, just a little snapshot of what technology looked like that year. And so then we did it again this year. We started publishing them at the end of 2016. And um, so in January, we were able to put it together and um, as a, a download. And so the articles are also all on the site. And you can download the free PDF, and then we sell the print ones through Lulu.com. But it's whatever they they charge you for printing and shipping. It's there's no profit off of it for us. It's um, purely if people want the print copy. Um, so it'll be nice, I think, once we have this archive build up too over the years, um, that people can look back and see how much technology changes year over year. And then the, in this latest edition, we had a few articles that were um, took kind of a historical look, since we don't have those old archives that I wish we had. Um, Jeremy Garcia, the founder of LinuxQuestions.org, wrote an article about the history of that site. Um, and then uh, Seth Kinlon, um, who's a Red Hatter now, and he used to be a, just a writer on our site, among many other things he does, and a, and a community moderator. He wrote um, an article, Compute Like It's 1989, and looked at some of the technologies from 1989. And then he um, also tested a bunch of the old Linuxes and um, you know played with them for the first time and wrote about that experience. And how they were different. So. He's got like you know 32 discs, floppy disk on his desk. Yeah, something like that. So um, yeah, so that's nice that we can kind of um, get those older articles in. And then uh, last weekend at Scale, I talked to um, the Linux chicks were there, and I think they're they have been around for 16 years now. And wow. so I talked to them. Yeah, I talked to them and asked them if they would contribute an article because I thought that would be nice to look back at the history of the Linux chicks in our next one. How fun! What a neat, yeah. what a neat job. Are Are you finding uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I I got into tech uh, not that long ago, um, and I feel like just in the time that I've been in tech, which hasn't yet been a full decade, uh, things have changed so fast. Yeah, yeah, it changes so yeah, just year over year, it changes a lot. It's has a different it always, story every year. It's has like a it always job been that year. way? Is, is the rate of change accelerating? I kind of feel like it is. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely accelerating because we had typewriters for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. also, I wanted to ask you another question about the content of, of the yearbook. So I also, I was thumbing through it and I saw there was also some like legal uh, mm -hmm. things in there and, and, and some career guidance things in there. I mean, what? tell me about some of the other content in there that was, uh, makes it interesting. I mean, it looks really cool. Yeah, um, I, getting a snapshot of the big legal stories, I think, is is interesting. And so we did um, a roundup of those. Um, we did um, an article that looked at some of the diversity and outreach efforts that are going on, um, because I think that, um, you know, since that has been an issue forever. Um, and, forever, yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I still think it will be interesting um, to look back at what we have been working on and, um, you know, different communities and different organizations, what they're doing and what seems to be working, um, you know, because when we look back at that stuff in five or ten years, we can be like, yeah, nothing's changed, or we can be like, wow, that really was bad back then and things are perfect now, or however it is <laughs> in ten years. Yeah, and then we had um, just, we looked at the top news stories. Um, um, one that was a fun one was um, one of our moderators wrote seven cool little open source projects that stood out. And so she hunted for just some cool little open source projects that people should, um, uh, you know, keep an eye out on. And then um, I was happy to see that in one of those top ones that Vim was still there. That made me happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because um, Pearl, for example, not really new, right? But right. every time we cover Pearl on the site, it's usually popular. Really? So, yeah. Wow. It's, uh, I was a big time yeah. Pearl developer. Yeah, Pearl. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going away anytime soon. In fact, it's um, it's kind of trending again, I would say. What? Yeah, I might be still relevant more in other ways. Yes, you're super relevant. Um, <laughs> well, you know, um, people are collecting vinyl and cassette tapes again. So yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> you see my record player? I got it right there. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, I went to my mom's house and totally ransacked all the vinyl in her house, and she's like. Did I tell you you could have that? I was like, yeah, like two years ago, and you don't have a record player, so I'm gonna take it. And it's like, you know, Carol King and the Carpenters and oh, good you know, stuff. Lionel Richie, and I'm like, yes. Yeah, you I know. got all my dad's records, including I had no idea that Gordon Lightfoot had so many albums until I got them for my dad. So if you need any Gordon Lightfoot, analog is coming back in. Yeah, I love it. So t tell us about the career path stuff too, because I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely see because of the rate of change, you know, that, that businesses are struggling and individuals are struggling to keep up and be relevant and make sure they're at the top of their game. It's like, you know, you're, you're super busy, you're working all day, you know, uh, maybe at some point you have a family or something and you have even less time to commit to just learning. Like what advice do you give folks that want to, to kind of do a, a skills refresh? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked me because um, I think about these things a lot. And there have been two things that have helped me most in my career. Um, one is network. Um, you know, always be thinking about um, your network. And that's, and that should be fun. I mean, I think it's fun. It's meeting people, it's getting to know people. And so it's, um, and that can be online. You don't have to travel to be able to meet people. Um, or it could be volunteering at local tech events or going to meetups or whatever. Um, but I don't think I've ever gotten hired on a job based on my excellent interview skills or my great resume writing because those aren't actually strong areas for me. Um, it's more about you know hearing about the jobs and maybe even people will tailor a position to suit you when they find out you've got these skill sets, but the position they have should actually be tweaked because 
um, you can actually fill maybe three positions they'd like to fill that aren't quite full time or something, you know? So um, that's it. And then picking up new skills all the time, I think is really important. And that's helped me a lot. Um, and even, and people say, you know, that they don't have time to do it when they're home or that um, I have heard people say, you know, that um, for uh, parents or moms or single parents, that it's exceptionally hard to go do that. And I totally agree, but it's also totally doable. And it's, if you want to keep a job, you have to do it. If you want to um, stay, you know, fresh and hireable, you know, you have to be picking up those skills. I, um, I was a single mom and so I do totally get it, you know, but um, I also couldn't afford to not have a job. And right. so for me, yeah. it was more of a panic thing as I would go home at night and um, teach myself how to, um, uh, install content management systems and build websites, you know, so I could um, do that for some freelance money on the side, um, you know, and, or barter, you know, and that sort of thing. And then um, I also went back to school when I really felt like that my um, skills had put me in a tight niche. You know, I went back to grad school um, while I was working full time and I had a kid. I don't only do that if you're really if you really are desperate, <laughs> you know, really panic because it's a, that's really hard and stressful. You could pick up skills without having to. It's so ad that. admirable, though. I mean, that's so difficult to. It was, yeah, I, I think about it sometimes, yeah. and I, I mean, I walked back to my car and cry, crying more than once leaving class. <laughs> but I'm glad I did it. But I, you know, you don't have to do that. You can um, you can pick up free skills. I don't think any of those online classes, free online classes, were really a thing back when I started doing that either. So yeah. But it's yeah. just a time commitment. Right. You're, you're telling me about, about learning these skills. So I, uh, uh, my dad passed away when I was younger and uh, I inherited a big leather bag full of leather making tools. And I was like, man, you know, I should use those. And I went to go see my uncle, my dad's brother, back in my hometown, the de uh, West Texas town of El Paso. And he was showing me all these things he had made with leather. And I was like, man, I forgot that you were also into this. And I was like, you know, I think I have my dad's tools somewhere. He's like, you should use them. And I was like, you know what? I should use them. And so I started looking online and it's so funny because a lot of the videos are like these dudes who are in their eighties, like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Pat, uh, is one of the guys that I like to watch. Uh, but, uh, you can learn how to do anything online now, which mm -hmm. is crazy. Yeah. Like you want to like tile your floors, you want to install light fixture, you want to fix your, you know, your washing machine. Like there's, there's probably a YouTube video that shows you how to do it. And that's awesome. Right. Well, it just shows too that the barriers to tech, you know, they're, they're so low. It's just, but there's a time commitment there. I mean, the content's there for you now, but it's just very difficult to sift through that in terms of, you know, managing time for it. I, I just, you know, anybody new going into that, it's, it's difficult. I, I like the interaction. I learned from interaction. So like mm -hmm. the whole thing of like self-studying, I just fall asleep. Like I need. I agree. That's why. That's why class worked for me, and I had to do actual school to yeah. make myself do it. Um, and I have found that having a, a deadline, a time commitment, um, really helps me. Like right now, I'm, I want to read, um, uh, learn Python the hard way, and so I told myself I would do it by the end of this month. You know, and so. And now I'm on the record. I've been telling people publicly that I'm going to do it by the end of this month because then <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I'll do it. I might be up all night the night before the end of the month, but that's what I'll do. So the the two things that you said in answer to Nikki's uh, question about 
you know, how do you stay relevant and stuff like that was one that you're always, you're always learning. And the other one is that you're always networking. And I really liked when you said networking, cause I'm, I'm probably more introverted in some ways is that it doesn't have to be just in person. It can also be these online communities and things like that. So that actually gives hope to a lot of us more introverted people that, you know, are comfortable just chatting on our computer and stuff. Anything else besides those two things like you think are crucial to, to uh, you know, maintaining a good job in tech. I mean, I think you've nailed it right there, and I, I probably would have said something very similar. But I mean, well, I think those two are the are the most important because even networking. I mean, you're learning when you're networking. You're learning from yeah. other people, and that's what you're tapping into. Um, you know, other people's strengths and um, or even like I, I went to a conference uh, last month, the Open Source Leadership Summit, and. Um, I, there were topics there I just hadn't been thinking about because we haven't been really covering them much on the site because people haven't been sending us in the proposals like the machine learning and artificial intelligence and and that sort of supercomputing big big data was stuff that we really haven't been covering and I, I used to cover supercomputing but um, not machine learning and so I started thinking about that more just because people were talking about it you know people yeah. were, were interesting and so then I got home, you know, well, even at the airport, I was downloading podcasts and, and reading at the airport um, articles. And so I came home and wrote a couple articles about machine learning because, um, oh. you know, just these people I met really sparked that interest in me. So, um, yeah, I, I really think that those are the two things. I mean, in networking alone right there, you're going to learning you know, and pick up. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to learn. That's where my head explodes. Stuff. To me, the, the Internet is still the little cloud, you know. I know that's the part that like folks like that have been at Cisco for a long time. Like that's their jam. They like really, <laughs> they really get that internet cloud bubble up to the side. <laughs> I feel it was made for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's so many acronyms. That's what gets me with networking. I just get totally well lost we don't, in yeah. acronyms. It's rough. Yeah, tech doesn't do a good job. It's like every industry has to make their own barrier to entry by creating difficult words to keep those who don't know out to justify yep. their jobs or something. I've thought <laughs> about that a lot, actually. <laughs> I've totally thought about that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as far as cool stuff that you're excited about, technologies that you're excited about, I mean, you probably are exposed, said you went to that uh, leadership uh, conference, you're probably exposed to a whole lot of things. Other than machine learning, like what's the new hotness? What's well, that's, that's the one that um, I'm really starting to look into is um, uh, you know, big big data and what it's being used for right now because I hadn't really um, I hadn't been thinking about it and it's you know it's just uh, there's so much going on um, you know people are using it uh, I, you hear about it being used in marketing and that's less interesting to me um, I I know that that's a way people are monetizing it or whatever but I think that the big data in politics I hadn't really been thinking about how that was being used and that's horrifying it's <laughs> so I'd like to know I'd like to know a lot more about that because wow, you yeah. that? are you talking about the Cambridge Analytica articles yeah yeah it's all oh, man. yeah and and Great. what's even more terrifying is what we don't know that we don't know yeah and so I I want to know more um, yeah so that's that's a big one and then also, um, I want to kick it a little old school on our site, and um, we know that people are really into the sysadmin topics, and we don't get enough of those. And as I've said repeatedly, you know, have a soft spot for sysadmins and systems administration, and um, it's never going away. And um, I would like to um, see more of what's going on um, with sysadmins right now because they're too busy taking care of systems to actually 
you know, update everybody on what they're into. And so, so how, how, how do people actually start? Are you looking for more people to write, contribute content? Or do you feel like you have a, I'm, I'm sure you have tons of people, but I mean, if somebody was like interested in writing, starting to write something about the interesting work they're doing, like what would you have them do? Like how could they use opensource.com for that? Well, um, they, uh, we are interested in hearing what they're, what they want to write about and what they're interested in, or if they want to write and they want ideas, we're happy to help them brainstorm and they can just email us at open at opensource.com or we have a web form on the site. And yes, we are always looking for new contributors because um, we try to keep at least 65% of the content contributed by members of um, open source communities outside of Red Hat, which means articles that the small team isn't writing, you know, and um, we're lucky that a lot of Red Hatters um, are able to write for us about non-Red Hat related stuff because um, yeah. you know Red Hatters are um, generally from other communities originally and still active in many other communities. Um, but uh, we really want to have non-employees writing for us too. So yeah, we're always looking for new writers. Um, and um, you know, game topics tend to be hard to get um, also. And then um, programming game. articles. Yeah, anything about game development um, and uh, uh, games on Linux. Um, those do very well too, and so we're hmm. looking for those. Yeah, and then pro programming. We're running our first programming series next month, and so right now that's what I'm trying to do because we have found we've been running more programming content since I've been on the team um, because uh, we we ran those you know a lot on uh, past publications I've been on, and so I knew they would do well with readers, and so now we're just making more of an effort to find more of those Perl stories or Python or you know um, command line stuff. People always want to hear about. So is it like, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it like tips and tricks or is it like intro level stuff? All of the above because we have such a nice broad range of, you know, we've got kernel developers, then we have people who are just learning about open source. So we have a nice range of um, content. So yeah, we definitely have a lot of sysadmins. Um, in fact, I think I think probably the majority of our readers, if you did a poll, are, have a, some kind of sysadmin background. Hmm. Um, what, kind of, what kind of roles are they, uh, or what kind of skills are they looking to acquire, sysadmins? Um, well, they're always just looking to um, stay on top of their skills and pick up, you know, um, stay on top of the latest trends and new technologies, you know, whatever can make their jobs go better, you know, um, make sure they don't get called. You know. Efficiency. Yeah. yeah. And, and cover your ass a little bit, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Make sure your systems yeah. are se secure and stable and up. Yeah. It'd definitely be interesting to see in articles on machine learning and system administration, right? I could see that being just fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wrote, you know, I wrote those two last month at the very end of the month, and they both made the top ten list, which was really wow. shocking to me because I was like, hey, I'm not the only one who's who's totally curious and into this, and and so I'm um, I'm excited to write some more on that topic. What, you, what's been? Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Nikki. Oh, I was just gonna ask, like, um, the reactions to the open source yearbook, like, any good stories there. Um, stories about getting content for the yearbook that stand out to you or um, just some of the cool things that might be interesting that you know we should be asking you about uh, well people the response was just great I was really I was excited about the project but then to see how excited readers were you know we had more than 14 or 15,000 downloads last year which wow. uh, our goal our goal was like a thousand <laughs> you know oh, and, and so uh, yeah it, it went better than expected and then um, and because we had once we had that first one out getting more content for the uh, the next year was a lot easier and 
Um, and it was nice because we got, we, I'm able to collaborate with other um, organizations who want to participate because I, I want, you know, this to have many voices in it. And so um, we have an article um, from uh, uh, someone at Google talking about some of the open source projects that were released from Google last year. Josh Simmons wrote that. And then um, a kernel development um, article that Linux Foundation got us from um, Greg Cage. And um, uh, we have an article from someone from O'Reilly, Rachel, who's the chair of OSCON. And she wrote about um, some of the programming languages that are popular right now. And Do y'all do, do any diversity topics as well? Yes, yeah, we do. And in those, you know, I'm always looking for um, uh, not just talking about how we need more diversity. I, I really want like stuff that's working or stuff that people are trying. Actionable. Yeah, like um, what have you tried or what have you found that helped you get more women speakers at your events? What worked, you know, Gosh. or um, how did you um, get more women in your, um, your programming class in your college, you know, or um, you know, how did you get more diversity in um, the applicants for the position that you opened? You know, um, what were you doing wrong before? People want to know what you did wrong also, so that's good. Um, Every once or, in a while, I'll hear like a crazy NPR story on like the actual psychology behind, you know, why people tend to hire people who are like them or mm -hmm. look like them. And it's always super, like the whole cultural aspect is super fascinating. You know, great. Right. Going to Austin, it's such a melting pot, you know? It's kind of like, you don't really, I don't know, just seems like everyone's kind of like, you're equal, um, but you go to other places and you're like, wow, there's like clicks, like very well-established clicks. Yeah, you, I mean, I think you not. radiate towards people kind of that you can relate to that are like you, you know? And I, I noticed this with event photographers a couple of times. I don't really like to have my photo taken anyway, but um, I have noticed, even events where I've known that there were a lot of women there, then I see the pictures and there aren't many women in the pictures, but then I've seen photographers and often they're young men and I think they're also feeling awkward about approaching the women at the events. And so then you're not representing even the women that are there if you have a photographer who's a little shy about approaching people who aren't like him, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then I also realize my um, view is a little skewed because my name is Ricky. And so online I could be a dog or a man <laughs> or whatever. They don't know, right? So, um, so if I had a, a you know, a, a name that was more international or um, clearly a, a feminine name, my experience might even be more different than it is. There was another NPR story about that, I kid you not, about uh, how your child's name can determine their success. Yep. Like if it's an easy to remember, kind of shorter syllable name, those people tend to have, uh, tend to appear more in like VP and up or director and up type roles, which is just fascinating, you know? I probably should have read all that stuff before I had a kid, but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> well. <It happens. laughs> so, uh, what do you do in your spare time when you're not like, you know, on doing the road warrior thing or, you know, riding or you said you're a mom. So you do the mom thing like, well, no, she's grown and on her own. And so um, I'm not doing the mom thing anymore. So then I had to really decide what to do. And um, I because I'm on a computer so much at work, I'm trying not to be on it at home so much because after 20 years of it, it takes a physical toll on you. Yes. And, it's, you know, I have back and neck issues from it. So I actually try not to be on it when I'm at home which is cut into the writing I wanted to do when I'm, you know, for myself. Um, but what I have been doing, um, because I'm a print person, is I got into snail mail again um, about three years ago. 
And so I have been writing lots and lots of postcards um, and, uh, <laughs> and letters. And so I've got pen pals from all over the world. A lot of them are people from tech. Um, and um, and I get letters back from people. And How so that's fun. Yeah, I really enjoy that. It's peaceful. And, you know, it's it's the thing I thought about after I moved and I, I found a box full of letters and, you know, dating back from high school, you know, and um, and uh, mixtapes also. But um, I had this stuff and I was thinking, man, my child's not going to have this. She's not ever going to be able to go back and read love letters from her punk rock boyfriends in high school or whatever. And um, that's sad because I like to read that stuff now and or letters, you know, from my grandfather and he's, you know, gone now. And um, so I, I just started doing that. So that's one thing I do in my Are you time. doing like calligraphy too? And like, you know, making your own envelopes? <laughs> like uh, I'll, yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I will write on um, envelopes and, um, you know, and, and the draw pictures and the postcards and whatever sometimes too. But, um, and then I've made postcards um, using new cards. I've um, got Creative Commons art and then, um, you know, cool. images I've taken. And um, I bought old postcards from antique malls, you know, where I, I don't think they have any licensing on them anymore. And I've scanned those and get those reprinted. Oh, cool. Um, and I just, yeah. this week I got um, um, a box of 100 postcards that are women in science. Ah. So I'm sending those out. They're on Amazon. So I'm um, going to send you a leather craft and you're going to send me a postcard. Yes. <laughs> you love to do it. super fun. What are you going to send us, Val? What can we send you? Man, I don't do anything. How about an article so. for open source? <laughs> there, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I did, very I, good at that. I did notice that there was uh, in your magazine here, it talked about how the closure is on the decline. And uh, I'm like, man, I just started learning that and, and enjoying doing closure script. And so now I'm seeing it's on the decline. So I don't know. Maybe I'll send a closure script thing to try to reverse there the There you trend. go. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> I'm bringing postcards back. So Yeah. <laughs> My, you know, my kids think it's like the coolest thing to get mail too. And I'm just like, I, I don't even oh, yeah. check. I check my mail like maybe once a week, unless I know there's like an Amazon package in there. That's the only time right. I go to my mailbox. But when my kids get mail, they think it's like the coolest thing ever. It is the coolest it thing ever. It is cool. And, and I have literally uh, boxes of letters that my grandmother and I wrote while I was in college. And it's like a freaking time capsule. In addition to sending me like coupons to like, you know, Sonic or, you know, name your favorite <laughs> burger joint or whatever. Uh, she sent me like stickers and stamps and all kinds right. of stuff. Yeah. And lately at the OpenStack summits, I've been doing money exchanges with people. So all my foreign friends, I'll bring a bunch of US dollar bills and coins and I'll trade them uh, nice. for people from other countries and then bring those back to my kids and they think that's really cool too. Yeah, that is cool. Those are, yeah, print, one with print. So, yes. Yeah. So fun. When, um, Wednesday, International Women's Day. Um, what I did at home was um, I scanned all of my grandmother's old recipes that were on little note cards, and um, yeah, the first ingredient on one of them was saccharin tablets. You know? Oh, <laughs> wow. you know, like corn syrup and sugar and oh, brown sugar were the first three ingredients <laughs> on one of the recipes. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to make these, but it's really I might make them into postcards. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> ketchup meatloaf. Right, that was, exactly. a, that was a popular one. Yeah. yeah, so you don't see corn syrup in too many recipes nowadays. No, <laughs> now it's like you may substitute coconut sugar or palm sugar yeah, or something, right? Exactly. Yeah, or monk fruit or whatever the newest trend is. Yep. Oh, that is. Something I should know I these did, things. Uh, I, I did make my. I did turn my wife's family's cookbook into a website, so I did do that. So that's, oh, that's awesome. Cool. You're like the. Uh, you're the acceptable in law. 
okay, uh, at yeah. that point, right? Like you passed. Oh, I'm going for like, I went for, fa I'm going for favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, that makes status. you favorite. Yep. Yeah. No, I think I got that down. I'm yeah. That You're winning that one. <laughs> yeah. I have an identical twin, so it's like, you know, there's some fierce competition over here. Yeah. You know what she's doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what she's doing right now? She's, um, she's at South by Southwest. She owns a teleprompter business and she's actually, uh, I think it's, is it today or tomorrow? She's got like this crazy lineup of guests, but I think Sunday she's running a teleprompter for Joe Biden. And I'm like, that's really cool. Oh, she gets I to, love him. She gets to <laughs> She did. Uh, she got to run a mic through Matthew McConaughey's shirt. Uh, you know, super <laughs> awesome. Her job doesn't suck. No, that sounds cool. A smooth <laughs> operator, super clever. Couldn't have thought of a better one myself. That's a good name for a teleprompting business. Yeah, if is. you're watching this, way to go. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting ridiculous here. Uh, where can we find you, Ricky? Like, give us all the places, and we can also post them in the comment section on the YouTube video. All right. Um, well, you can find me on opensource.com, obviously. And then on Twitter, I'm um, Ricky Ends um, because I wanted a short handle R I K K I. E-N-D-S. E-N-D-S. Yes. And then I'm on um, G+. Um, and I'm on, um, yeah, those are the main ones. I'm on LinkedIn, too, but I have to know you to accept you on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I don't even check my LinkedIn that often. Yeah. And, and Every Facebook, time I log Facebook in, it too, looks so. totally different. And I'm like, what happened? Yeah. You and then that? Can... Pardon? Do you notice that when you log into LinkedIn now? It's like totally yeah, different? Yeah. yeah, it is. I can't keep up. So, um yeah, I occasionally go check in and see what people are doing on there, but it's, is, Twi uh, is Twitter your, your jam? Yeah, Twitter, you know, I, I'm all about being concise and I like that 140 character limit. Do you get yeah. bored easy, Ricky? Bored? Yeah, do you uh, get bored easily? No, I wouldn't say I get bored easily, but um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of information out there online. And so if I'm hunting for it, I want to be able to find it quickly and easily. And, um, and so, I, I like the restrictions with uh, Twitter. It makes people get to the point. Yeah, yeah. I love that's that. That's why I'm, I'm not a fan of this new trend of the threaded tweets where they, they'll tweet 20, 20 things in a row and number them and all. And oh, I was like, oh, man, you should have written a blog. Right? Yeah. It's all dot, 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 and you're like, yeah. scroll, where's the rest of it? I can't dot, do dot, it. Dot, 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 scroll. Yeah. No. No. Good times. I, I guess that's the beauty of Twitter, though, is the the uh, the fact that it's concise. I've been trying to post more like uh, visual things on Twitter, too. Which I like. You know, I have Instagram, and it's all tied to all my accounts. And I don't I don't post like family stuff on Twitter. Twitter's kind of like more work stuff. But then right. I got this really freaking cute cockapoo puppy, and he's so handsome. He's so adorable. And so I've been you know putting him on Instagram and going. Okay, I could put that one on Twitter. Yeah, posting dog photos or whatever. But well, it's, there's them. Good. good to have my, like all the people who have a human element to them. When someone's just yeah. like a marketing megaphone and that's all they write about, it gets a little dry. Yeah, no, we need more animal pictures on Twitter. Definitely, I I posted a picture of my cat on Wednesday, and she's pinned because um, she was all over my um, computer while I was trying to work. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'm trying to recruit authors. I'll just stick you in a photo. And I was and, just uh, looking at mom, that. Mom, yeah. mom. <laughs> A, then yeah. she made it to the homepage of opensource.com yesterday. So, um, yeah. <laughs> to the homepage? No kidding. Yeah. The cat uh, is yeah. famous. She's going to earn her cat food, man. Yeah. Get it. 
Val, where can we find you online? Um, just at Valard. That's my name, at Valard. So. V as in victory, A-L-L-A-R-D. Yes. Yeah. And we will uh, stalk you. You've written a ton of stuff online, too, which is always awesome. Got to start writing more, though. I you know think. what? You probably have delivered my favorite like DevOps 101 course of all time. Oh, thanks. You're too for nice. sure. It's really good. <laughs> it's really great for people who didn't didn't come from that world. You make it really, really easy. Is that available online too? Probably in many different formats, I would assume. If not, maybe he could polish up a new one for you. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, you're my co-host. I'm not supposed to be pimping you out online. Sorry. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Shameless plug for, for Valard. Uh, well, I think that's it. I can be found at Nikki Acosta, N-I-K-I-A-C-O-S-T-A on Twitter. This was a really fun episode, and I'm so glad you were our guest, Ricky. It was, it was such fun. A, Thank you. It was a good chat, and I know you've got somewhere you got to be, so drive safe, and uh, that's it for Cloud Unfiltered episode one. Everybody say bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Great to meet you. See you, Ricky. See you.